Most podcasts are listened to while you move, either riding on a, a Peloton or walking in the neighborhood or driving in your car. You are in movement. I invite you for this podcast to do something quite different. What I invite you to do right now is if you are moving, I would like you to stop listening until you can sit down with either a fresh piece of paper and a a writing implement of some sort, because today is a podcast about taking a risk, about taking a risk in an actuality. We're going to endeavor today to take a rational look at risk. Bit of a contradiction, I admit, but that hopefully will prove interesting here by the end. So for years, clients and friends and family have shared one fear or another with me as a basis of a lot of our conversations. And the fears have been around something back in my early professional days around the fear of public speaking. And most recently, the dominant fear that I talk to organizations and the people in them about is the fear of having a conversation that they know they should have, but they are afraid of the potential outcome. So they avoid it. We've talked at length in other podcasts about this, but it's really important when we start to frame what we mean by risk. Now, as I engage in these conversations with the client or the friend or the family, one of the things is I hear them start to lean into the word risk. It feels too risky. It feels too scary. I suggest to them that we take a moment and actually calmly approach the question of risk in a way that we would calmly approach any multitude of decisions or important discussions. And that is do in a very left brain analytical way, do a cost benefit analysis of the risk that you're considering to take. So that's why I want you to be seated, which I hope by this point you have come back from your walk or your run or your Peloton and you're seated there with a piece of paper, which I want you to take the writing implement and draw a line down the middle of the page and a line across the top to form a T. And above the left-hand column, I want you to put the negative sign. And on the right-hand column, I want you to put a plus sign. I'd like you to start now thinking through a risk that you are facing in the near future. It could be something like giving a speech. It could be along the example that I gave you about having an important conversation and, and avoiding it. Or it could be anything that involves change. On the left-hand side, under the negative sign, I would like you to list every possible thing that you think or are fearful of that could go wrong if you take the risk. Something that could end badly. Okay, now that you've done that, 
you can begin to imagine what goes in the right-hand column. Let's say that you take the risk, the conversation, the speech, the, the move, the new job, whatever feels risky. If it goes well, what good can come? What good can come if you take the risk and it works out? So we'll pause here while you do that. So now as you come back and you look at the cost-benefit analysis, whether or not the columns are equally weighted, you really are faced with, hopefully, at least a clearly articulated set of consequences either way. And let me, let me imagine what might be written down. Let's say you picked this idea of having a difficult conversation, let's say, with your boss. Well, for the 30-some-odd years that I have done this exercise, the number one thing that is written down at the top of the left-hand column is always one word, fired, every single time we do this exercise. And then there are answers under that about things like, I'll be embarrassed, people won't want to work with me other kinds of really negative consequences. And let's be candid about this because it is this column that at least shows the spirit of why we choose to not risk about anything. Because we imagine, remember this is all in your imagination, that things will go wrong, so therefore why would you want to do it? And in the right-hand column, if the thing was about having a difficult conversation with your boss, you found things like, instead of getting fired, you may get promoted. There would be new innovative ideas in the workplace. People would want to be on your team. The list can get pretty long, and frankly, admit it, it feels good. Because that is a pretty good place to work. Okay, so you've got these two columns. And now comes the part to do a deeper analysis with a couple questions that I've, more than a couple, that I've developed over the years. Question number one, whether it's about work or about something you want to do in your life, which outcome would you prefer? Well, nobody in all the years I've done it has raised their hand and argued for the left-hand column. Yet, it is the dominant one that people talk about much more easily. That's interesting. So, we want to create a version of the world in the right-hand column, right? Here's the more complicated, nuanced, and important question. Other than taking the risk that we have defined... I welcome you to think about another way to manifest that change other than taking the risk that you've been thinking of. Or put more flippantly, do you have a better idea? Because in all the years I've done this, the other thing that has never happened is no one has come up with an alternative idea to their risk, other than taking the risk itself to create the place that they describe in the right-hand column. 
Now we get to something even more interesting, and I think the most important. Let's say, as I've said so many people do, we look at our cost-benefit analysis and we decide to not risk. We decide to not give the speech, not have the conversation, not go for the new job. We hide out of the fear of the negative that may come. Which of the columns has the higher potential to actually happen without your effort? If you do nothing and you hide, which one still has the potential of happening? Again, in all the years that I've done this, we have always arrived at the following conclusion. The left-hand column, the thing that we are looking and striving to avoid, has a actually much higher potential for occurring if you don't take the risk. For example, we say that we're afraid to have a conversation this hard because we might get fired. Don't you think there's a bunch of ways that you may lose your job if you sit there silently? If you sit there not attempting to inculcate and bring about important change? Could you get stuck in a layoff? Very easily. Whereas if you look on the right-hand column, you improve the quality of your contribution at work by only by taking a risk. So there is the counterintuitive thing that I hope by sitting down at your desk rather than working out at the gym and thinking about this that dawns on you here is that only by engaging in things that have a fear to them, a scariness to them, can a life grow and can a condition be improved. So I thought about this as a final premise, and I leave you with this thought. A key premise of my work is that all choices have consequences. It doesn't matter whether it's a choice you're excited about or you are afraid of. The choice to elevate and to engage in the world in a different way indeed has a risky feeling to it. Notice I haven't declined that at all. My question for you to ponder and to answer is why would you make a choice to hide if that hiding place ends up more directly exposing you to the harm that you want to hide from. That you want to hide from. By endeavoring to hide, you actually increase the danger. Whether you make that choice, or perhaps by sitting and looking at the piece of paper you've created on the table in front of you, the choice is, as you've heard me say before, ultimately up to you. And whether or not you approach it rationally and draw a line down another piece of paper, life only, only changes for the better 
not from hiding, but from endeavoring to emerge.